Uh, so we are in a series called Gifted, and uh, it absolutely is this reality of a God who loves you and I and is better than anything the world can offer us. Not only is he better, but he gives us life. He gives us life abundantly. He forgives us. He gives us grace and mercy, and then he sets us free, and as we follow him, he gives us his Holy Spirit and gifts. He places us in the context of community, so we get to do this with other people, and in many ways over the last few weeks, I've just been realizing like so much of what is offered to us is this thing called the with God life. Can you say that with me? With God life. It's a direct invitation from the Lord that, that in our uniqueness, yes, he's created and crafted us perfectly as his workmanship and masterpiece. But he also says, I don't want to leave you alone. I, I want to I do life with you. And, and I want you to think about this, like the, the movement of God is literally a movement that, that actually Jesus came down from heaven and dwelt among his people. As he dwelt among his people, he walked among them and did life with them for three years. As he did that, it moved in a group of people called the early church. And, and as the early church began to get in touch with the Holy Spirit and when the gifts God had given them and began to live on mission and in community, they were on the move. You see, Christianity, this thing that we've called it and made it today, often is missing the mark. It's often missing the mark because our faith is a moving faith. It's a faith that is meant to, to be on the move. To be something that you live Monday through Saturday. And, and I, I would tell you, if, if we had the cameras and the lights right now, I'd be walking up and down all of this place, making every single one of you uncomfortable. Because some of you are like, what is he doing? He never comes down here, right? This is as far as I can go with our current cameras and lights. This is what they'll let me do. Hey, guys. Online, we love you. That's why I'm doing it this way, so you can still see me. You get the idea, though. Right? You get the idea that it's meant to be this with God life, with God and with others that invites us into a movement that, that when we come in on a weekend, when we come in and gather, it is not something that is meant to just sit within us. It's meant to flow through us. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll turn there, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus and we're going to start here with a few verses, one through six, that, that illustrates a little bit about what this movement might have looked like, and then we'll come back to the book of Acts a little bit later. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to what? Sit? Stand? No. <laughs> walk. There's a movement here, right? He says, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6 says, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want to point out here today is we look at this, this movement, this with God life. We're going to be talking about the word gifts today. But before we get to what those are specifically, I want to point out here that Jesus gives us each at least one spiritual gift. This is used in helping the church body grow in maturity and unity 
and love. That actually, if we separate that because of our ego or we separate that because of our individualistic nature, we're missing the mark of God's movement and what he's offering us. There's an author, Richard Rohr, that says the human ego wants two things. It wants to be separate and it wants to be superior. Whoo, it got quiet. We often want to be separate and superior. It's the human ego. And what we just read in Ephesians 4 is this, this movement that's among God's people that Paul is saying humility Unity, these are the things that mark Jesus' church and what it's meant to be. And each of you have at least one spiritual gift. Jump ahead to verse 11 and 12 of Ephesians 4, and it says this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So these gifts that are given, these offices that are present are there to equip the body of Christ to be who it's called to be so that our gifts would be used that the kingdom and God's movement, the church, would move forward. Romans 12, verse 6 and 8 shares a little bit more about some of these gifts. Let's take a look here. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Within there, you have a number of spiritual gifts. So let me give you a definition of spiritual gifts that we'll use for today. Hopefully this is helpful for you. Bruce Bugby says that they're endowments or special skills given by God that enable us to make our unique contribution. They are not talents, but divine abilities that enable us to do ministry. When we get out of our flesh, when we get out of our natural talent, and we get into our spiritual gifting, and we understand how God has gifted us, there's a power available there that we're not gonna find anywhere else. Anybody else been around church for a while? If you're a visitor and brand new to church, we are so glad you're here. You have less baggage than most of us in the room. (laughs) Woo, some religious folk just got mad. (laughs) I mean, if you've been around the church for a while, right, the big C church, religion, any of that, The chances are you've had moments where you were serving and you didn't want to, where you got burned out, where you went through the motions and did it, not because it was something that was feeling fulfilling or done out of love, but something that was literally maybe coming out of your emptiness and a sense of duty. Anybody? You see, what we want to find is this this connection between who the Lord has created us to be the gifts he's given us, and how the Spirit can empower that so that when we're serving, we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in the strength of the Lord, in the empowerment of his Spirit. 
And so these categories that we've been looking at in this series, over the last couple of weeks, we covered uh, two of the categories. We, we have three categories. I'm going to put them up for you uh, with spiritual gifts. These come from originally the work of Dr. Uh, Robert J. or Bobby Clinton, uh, who was a professor for years at Fuller Seminary. Uh, the first is the love gifts. We looked at these a couple of weeks ago. The man, they manifest the love of God in practical ways. The second set of gifts are power gifts. We looked at these last week. These demonstrate the power and presence and reality of God. Now, to be clear, all gifts are meant to be used in love, amen? And all gifts are meant to be empowered by the Spirit. So the category does not eliminate the need for love or power to be present in every category. Got it? Just give me a thumbs up. All right. Then today we look at word gifts. Word gifts clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. And so there's 19 biblical gifts. Uh, they, they come out of uh, uh, the passages we just read, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and also 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11. Here's the 19. In the love gift category, we have administration, helps, mercy, and giving. The reason I'm putting these out there is, is as we wrap the series up next week, our hope is that you're identifying what might be one or two of your gifts, because you have them, and that you begin to activate and operate in them. The second one is power gifts. These are prophecy and tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, discernment of spirits, healing, works of power, miracles, words of knowledge and wisdom. And if you missed last week, you just decided that you need to listen to that message. Because it's incredibly important that we understand how these gifts work biblically. Amen? And that's what we looked at last week. Word gifts, as we look at them today, are the gifts of, there's six of them, teaching, exhortation, apostleship, leadership, pastor or shepherding, and evangelism. And as we get into these today, again, we want you to know what yours are. And there's a number of you, more than 50, that have signed up to, to get our assessment and to, to hear about the next class and workshop coming, which is next Saturday, uh, March 5th, by the way. Uh, and so the, you can still sign up. Go to pathwayvb.com slash gifts. Literally right now, if you haven't done that, I'm asking you to do this. And I'll stand and stare until you do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. That would be awful, wouldn't it? You'd be like, what a waste of time. Why did that guy do that? Uh, seriously, though, it would be awesome if you signed up uh, to, to understand what yours are. Now, what I want to do today is I want to take the six gifts, and, and I want to look back into the book of Acts, where there's this movement, this with God life that's unfolding. And I want to look at six snapshots, snapshots in the book of Acts, where the early church was seeing these gifts begin to play out, these word gifts. And uh, so as we get into these, the first one, if you're taking notes, is apostleship. You can turn to Acts chapter 4, and uh, we'll look at this. Uh, biblically. Uh, apostleship, as we get into this, uh, would be, this is all caps on the screen, but it would be a little a apostleship. You see, in the Bible, there's apostles, big A, that were with Jesus directly. Uh, those are the only true apostles in that sense. But there's a gift of apostleship, which is the, the little a that still exists today. Essentially, the definitions of this is that these are people that are sent ones. They bring abundant life to new spaces, and they leave churches often in their wake. And we see this in the book of Acts. We still see this 
today in different places. In Acts chapter 4, picking up in verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles, okay, this, these are the, the, the big A apostles, but there's a gift that's operating here, were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many was, were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Now, when we look at this gift, there's uh, Dave Ferguson, who's a part of the Exponential Church Planning Network. He says this in regards to apostles. He says, apostles are keenly aware of all the other gifts. They want to see all the gifts flourish so that the healthy churches can be born. Apostles get great joy from disappearing into the background and allowing room for other gifts to emerge and grow. Isn't that a, like, anybody get excited by that? Like, it's pretty cool to think about how God can use this gift to, to further churches, to plant new churches, to send missionaries, to start ministries. Essentially, these are spiritual entrepreneurs. They're, they're people that are great networkers and leaders of leaders, and it's a very important gift. If I take you back a couple hundred years, there's two people, contemporaries of each other, George Whitfield and John Wesley. George Whitfield was somebody who had a great gift of evangelism, and God used him as a part of some great awakenings and revival, and, and, and people's lives were touched and transformed. But there was no movement that continued after George Whitfield passed. He didn't have the gift of apostleship. John Wesley, on the other hand, who was a contemporary of his, often in some of the same spaces, actually had a gift of apostleship. And so John Wesley formed and realized that, that we need to appoint leaders and lay leaders. And so they formed small groups. And, and as they formed small groups, they empowered those to actually shepherd and care for people that were coming to faith because they couldn't keep up with the crowds and the thousands that were coming. As they did that, these leaders of leaders began to lead other leaders and it began to trickle down. Over time, people sarcastically, sarcastically looked. Did you know sarcasm existed a couple hundred years ago too? Anybody? Okay, yeah. We got a lot of it in America today, don't we? Maybe you do. I do. I don't know. Uh, but they looked at Wesley sarcastically and, and they, they said, you're a Methodist. You're using a method. Where do you think the Methodist denomination came from? It was birthed out of this movement where the gift of apostleship was simply organizing and empowering other leaders so that the movement didn't die but would continue. This is an important gift in the body of Christ. Amen? Acts 4, verse 36 says this, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. This verse here mentions Barnabas, who also had a gift of exhortation and encouragement, so much so that he was called a son of encouragement. If we're looking at the gift of exhortation, uh, another way of looking at it is a gift of encouragement. This is a gift among the six word gifts that applies truth. It brings life 
to others through encouragement and application. And I got to tell you, we need more exhortation and encouragement in the body of Christ today than ever. Anybody else feel a little down or defeated recently? Anybody else? Wouldn't you love to see this gift just fanned into flame in the church? Where, Where you actually felt like when I come, I'm being exhorted and encouraged? There's another moment in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 11, verse 28, where we see it again. There's actually a guy named Agabus who was also had a prophetic gift, but in this moment, it's more of an exhortation. It says, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all of the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Now, you might read that and go, how is that encouraging? And, and, and here's the reality. The gift of exhortation, uh, author John Thompson, who I've quoted a number of times in this series, says that exhortation, that there's the encouragement side, but there's also this peace, that it's almost like the person lovingly gives you a hug and encourages you, and then slaps you upside the head at the same time, (laughs) or gives you a kick in the tail, right? That, That literally, exhortation can mean, like, you'll walk away from these people that have this gift and be like... Oh, that was amazing. I love them. Oh, but wait, didn't they tell me something needed to change in my life? Where where you start to realize, like, people that really have this gift, they will be so winsome in the encouragement that they're also able to deliver godly biblical truth in a way that wakes us up. Exhortation, again, and encouragement is something we need in the body of Christ. As I said, often we're not encouraged enough and we miss our potential. It was actually in the 19th century, uh, a uh, famous poet and artist, that uh, Dante Rossetti. And uh, he was approached by a gentleman, an older gentleman that uh, was in the latter years of his life. And he brought a, a uh, pile of sketches with him. And he came to this famous poet and artist and he wanted to know, do, does, do you see potential here? Do you see talent within these sketches? And so Dante reviewed them. And the first uh, set of them that he, he reviewed, he realized that they were pretty bad, that they actually weren't very good. There wasn't a whole lot of talent there. And he didn't really know how to tell the guy, but, but he wanted to, you know, to be loving. Did you know that to be loving, we often have to say the hard things? Okay, I, I love you. And, and so he, he reviews them, and, and he kind of is getting ready to get feedback, and then, then he sees a few at the end that look a little bit older, but he gets excited because he sees in these sketches real potential, that there's something of worth and value, and there's a talent. And he points to it, and he says, these right here, these are incredible. Whoever this artist is, do you know them? And the man almost tearfully, it said, looked at Dante and said, yeah, I know him. I only wish you would have been able to see this artist 40 years ago because it was me. Nobody believed, nobody encouraged. And can you imagine what would have been? It's a dramatic story. It's a real story. But I just wonder how many people would reach their potential if this gift of exhortation, if a spirit of encouragement was present in the body, 
that said, I see you and I believe in you. I see more for you. I see better for you. Come on, church. Where are you at? <laughs> Let's go. God has more and better for each of us. And this is a gift that we desperately need in the body of Christ. The third gift is leadership and ruling. In Acts chapter 4, picking up in verse 5, it says, of, On the next day, their rulers and elders, so these are the leaders, gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known that all of you to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man, by, the, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I just love that because in the original language in verse 13, the, the Greek language that this was written in, it actually would be best translated, they were not just like uneducated is a soft translation. It actually would be better translated, they were idiots. That, that people were looking to the rulers and leaders of the day and then seeing these leaders that God was using and saying, there's something vastly different because we know they are uneducated, untrained, but my goodness, there's a spirit of boldness and leadership in them that is changing our city and the world that they lived in. This sets into contrast often what we see in our world. It is people that are operating in power and control and in a leadership that is domineering and is not empowered by the Spirit. There's a gift of leadership that enhances somebody's leadership. And it was so cool on Friday, uh, we had, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the service, 300 people that were here in this room. Uh, some had driven up from Miami, some down from Melbourne, uh, some from Lake Wells, and then a lot that were local. Dr. John Maxwell was here, Dr. Dean Radke, Kurt Owens, Joe Pellegrino. It was an amazing conference. Were any of you here? Clearly you weren't because you're not excited. Okay, a few of you are. It was so good. And, and here's what we need to be reminded of, right? Leadership, as John Maxwell has said for decades, is influence. How many of you have influence in your life? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, uh, then it, here's your wake-up call. You do, right? You absolutely do. Whether it's in your home, in your neighborhood, we all have influence, therefore we all have a leadership to steward. But this gift of leadership is, is like the next level of what God often wants to do in a moment, where people see that it's not human ingenuity, it's not their talent, it's actually a gift that God has given them. The definition here is influencing others. It's moving a group towards a God-given vision or goal that helps the body of Christ accomplish 
God's plans for the group. And that's the key, that it's God's plan for the group. So we all have influence, but we also need those that have the spiritual gift of leadership to lead. The body of Christ needs those with the gift of leadership to lead and to figure out how to do it in harmony and in unity with God and with others. Can I get an amen? Because often that's where it goes wrong, right? Any of the gifts used out of order, used out of a spirit of humility or in division is when we get all of the problems that we often see. And so this is a gift like all the others that we want to see it flowing. We want to see your gift, if this is your gift, used in a way that glorifies God and maximizes the stewardship of your life to further the church and his kingdom and what he has. I get excited about this because this is one of the gifts that God has given me. Now, true confession, I need to make a confession today. Some of you are sweating. I have the title of lead pastor, but I don't have the gift of pastoring and shepherding. Some of you are like, oh, I know you don't. (laughs) And that's okay. No joke. No joke. Serious story. A number of years ago, I walked into a hospital for a visitation. It's a good friend of mine. I walked in. He looked up and he goes, it's that bad? He felt if I walked into the room, it must be really bad. Oh, so here's what I do have. Here's what I do have. Here's what I do have. God has given me a heart of a shepherd. He's given me the compassion of a shepherd, but it's not a spiritual gift of mine. My spiritual, one of my strongest spiritual gifts is leadership. So the title lead pastor, right, means I'm the chief follower of Jesus And there's a gift that I want to use, but I need you to understand that if you, in a minute, are reading and you're like, well, I don't have the gift of leadership, but I have the gift of pastoring and shepherding, you're in the perfect church because this pastor needs your help. Okay. Just thought I'd get that out in the open. All right. The next gift is evangelism. And just like the other gifts we're looking at today, the gift of evangelism, we are all supposed to share the good news. We're all supposed to share about Jesus. But there's some that have a supernatural gift of evangelism that just has more spiritual results at time. In fact, I'll just read you the definition and then we'll look at a moment in scripture. It says, sharing the gospel effectively, the special ability to share Jesus in relevant ways to unbelievers so that people repent and receive Jesus. There's actually a moment in the book of Acts, verse 26, uh, we pick up here. And uh, Philip is the evangelist. He's seen crowds, but now he's going to listen to the Spirit, and he's going to see the one. Here's what happens. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Can you imagine? He's leaving a booming ministry in the city to go out on a lonely road. This is the heart of an evangelist, somebody who's listening to the Lord, who doesn't want anyone to miss who Jesus is. As he rose and went, he, there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seating in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. You see, he listened to the Spirit, he saw the one, and what we see next in this story is that this man, after he heard the gospel explained, said, there's water, literally a ditch on the side of the road, can I be baptized? There's a moment where he repents and he's baptized, that's the gift of evangelism at its best. We have a light on today because a week ago, one of our volunteers, yep, praise God, One of our volunteers saw the Spirit moving, engaged somebody, and they actually came to faith. One of our staff members was present, and they got to witness this, but what they witnessed wasn't just salvation, but the gift of evangelism in motion. Now, here's the thing. My evangelists in the room that have this gift, you will be frustrated every Sunday. Because this, this isn't where your grift. Now, to be clear, there are not, not everyone in a church is saved. Do we know, can we be clear on that? Some of you are like, what does that mean? That's another sermon. Um, but, but at the end of the day, evangelist, you are going to be most fulfilled when you're out among those that are lost and broken and need Jesus. And you bring them into the church as they meet Jesus And then in here, they're cared for, they're taught, they're discipled. And we've got to normalize the tension that often exists between the different gifts. Because the body of Christ needs both. Amen? Amen. So this gift of evangelism, we hope to see many, many that will find Jesus in the years ahead as this gift is used. I have two more to get through here, and I want to do them justice. So teaching... Uh, is another gift. Uh, This one, the definition of it, is clarifying truth, bring the Bible to life for others and help them understand it. In Acts 17, there's a moment where the church, uh, and actually, if you have time on your own, you could read all of 17. It's a really uh, powerful passage because you see the gift of teaching, and then later you see the gift of evangelism, and it's flowing actually through the Apostle Paul in two different settings. Here in verse 10, though, it says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. You see, this gift of teaching that was present here meant that people were connecting the dots. You ever had that kind of moment where you listened to somebody that could, was, was bold enough, maybe even narcissistic enough to public speak, by the way? Like, you gotta, like, it's, okay, that's another sermon. I, I'm, I'm, but but you, you listen to somebody and you're like, okay, they're up front, they're communicating, but I'm not connecting with it, I don't get it. And I'm not saying that every time somebody teaches that that's going to happen, but in general, there's a spiritual gift of teaching that the heart behind it isn't the transfer of information so your head swells. It's actually learning information so we apply it, it connects at a deep level and we live it. That's actually what the gift of teaching is meant to do. And what's so cool here in Acts 17 is as they heard the word, it connected with them, and then they got deeper into the word to check it and to make sure that it was aligned with all of Scripture. 
Good teaching should cause us to dig deeper on our own and with each other. And so this gift of teaching is something that, again, is so important in the body of Christ. It's something that I hope that, that as we have different environments, not just Sunday morning, but other environments, that these gifts of teaching, classes and small groups and other spaces begin to emerge. And that you and I can connect in deeper ways with the truth of God's word because his word is incredible. The last gift is the gift of shepherding or pastoring. The definition of it is providing consistent care, the special ability to assume a long-term personal responsibility to share Jesus' presence with a group of believers through all of life experiences. We have uh, at least one of our pastors on staff who have this gift in a significant way. Pastor Doug has been doing this for decades here. Can we just give him a hand? He is able to walk with people and has done it for decades, up and down, the highs and lows of life. That's a gift of shepherding. But again, I believe that there's many gifts of shepherding within our body. And we need all of them active so that everyone feels cared for and loved and seen. The last scripture I want to share with you is a moment where this occurs. It's actually a moment where a gift of teaching started to go awry and then two people lovingly came in and shepherded this individual. Acts 18 verse 24, it says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, this is a husband-wife couple, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love this because he goes on to have a significant impact and it was because these two lovingly shepherded and walked with and discipled, they didn't say, hey, you got it wrong, shut up, never teach again. They said, let us walk with you. Let us further explain to you. Let us shepherd you through this moment. Can you see how the body of Christ would benefit? if all of these gifts were active and moving. And church, my prayer has been that the gifts, since before I got here, since I was praying about the transition in 2020 to come here, I believe that our church, whether we're online or in person right now, is a church called to have all of the gifts active. All of the gifts active that are moving and flowing and making a difference in our world. And so three questions to close, these next step questions. The first is, do you know your spiritual gifts? Whether they're love gifts, word gifts, or power gifts, we want you to know maybe which category you lean into the most. Again, you can take our assessment. You can come to the workshop on Saturday. We would love to get you this information. Secondly, are you using your spiritual gifts in unity with God and with others? And unity is a key word here. We have to be in alignment with him and with the people around us that God has placed. And then third, how can you use and or encourage the word gifts at Pathway so that others grow and mature in their faith? You see, all of the gifts are meant to be used and received. And this is where humility has to sometimes be present. It's to say, 
I'll, I'll, maybe I don't have this gift, but I'll appreciate it in my brother and sister, and I'll receive their gift. Nah, I don't need that. I don't need that. That's not for me. Well, if you say no, maybe they miss out on getting to use it. I'm going to pray for us, and you've been sitting long enough, so please stand if you're able. And as we respond to the Lord today, I just want to invite you. We're going to go into a song. The altars will be open. The kneeling benches, you can come forward. If you'd like, we have prayer partners if you're online. We have a chat host ready to connect with you and talk with you. But God has been moving throughout this service. And he's inviting us in to this life with him. If you think you have the word gifts, after this song, I'm going to pray over those that have that gift. And so please, just between you and the Lord, begin to ask the question, are, are these some of the gifts that I have? Because I'll call you forward in a minute to pray for you. Father, right now, we just are in awe that you would choose to use us, that you love us the way you do, that you invite us into being used by you. I pray right now as we sing and, and look to you, that you would move in our hearts, that you would free our minds from distractions, that you would allow us to enter in to what it means to really allow you to flow through the gifts you've given us. And Jesus, if there's somebody that doesn't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come forward or raise their hand. Let us pray with them and may they receive you today. Father, we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.
So teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. is so good and so available. Amen. Uh, if you believe that you have uh, one of those or more of those word gifts, if you think that's kind of the primary category where you find your giftedness, I want to just ask that you come forward right now and uh, like literally leave your seat and come up here. And I just want to pray a blessing over you because we've been doing this over the last couple of weeks. And I think it's a special moment that, that we get to honor those that feel that they may have these gifts. We also get to see that all the gifts are present in the body here at Pathway. Amen? Next week, we'll close this series, and there'll be a chance again for word gifts and love gifts and power gifts to, to really interact in a way that I believe is preparing us for the move of God that is present in what's coming. So this is encouraging to see everyone. If you're online right now and you're able to stand where you're at, go ahead and stand just as an act of declaration if you have these gifts. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and praise you. We need you. We need you. And for those that have word gifts that are standing maybe at home or here around this platform, Father, these are gifts that are needed in the body to share the gospel, to teach your word, to shepherd people to create movement. And God, they are stepping forward and standing because you've gifted them to do this. I pray against pride. I pray against fear. I pray against any confusion. I pray, Lord, that they would first and foremost hunger and thirst for you and your word. And that as they grow in their being with you, John 15, 5, that they would abide in the vine that they would bear great fruit through these gifts. Father, thank you for what you're going to do through each person's gift that is present. Bless them and be with them. I pray that they would be bold in it and that they would use it in such a way that others would be blessed and encouraged and would move forward in their faith. We thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. All right, church, uh, you all could stay here and connect for a minute. Party with the pastors if you're new or haven't connected in the cafe. Visitors on your way in there, we have a gift for you. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.